RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement. But as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Red Pill News Live. Andre, doing well. Glad to see you here. Uh, Your last email. Are you talking about modding? I haven't haven't seen anything new come through from you recently, but regardless... We have a big load of news today. Top of the heap. I want to give a big shout out to Matt Couch, his entire team. Those guys have been working on revealing the secrets behind the assassination of one Seth Rich for almost a decade now. And attorney Ty Clevenger, working on behalf of his client has now finally forced the hand of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Just yesterday, a judge handed down a decision. There has been enough stonewalling on their behalf. And within 13 days, we should finally see what's on Seth's laptop and much, much more. We're going to be talking about some big L's by people out there in the mainstream media. Uh, You know, we didn't even get a chance to talk about the stabbing of Derek Chauvin over the weekend, but we are going to touch on that. So do me a favor, sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn because we're going to be right back after this. Our national debt is a real-world problem. Our government spends more on interest payments than it does funding the Pentagon. And Biden, well, he wants to raise taxes on businesses and the wealthiest people to use the additional revenue only to fund social welfare programs. We've gone from $6 trillion in debt to $34 trillion in just 20 years. In 2010, our debt was $13 trillion. In gold, it was $1,000 an ounce. By 2020, our debt was $23 trillion and gold was $1,500 an ounce. Well, here we are in 2023. We have a $33 trillion debt and gold is $2,000. An ounce. Speaker of the House Mike Johnson recently warned that our greatest threat to national security isn't Russia, it isn't China, it's our national debt. So call the proud Americans of the Patriot Gold Group today before it's too late. Mention Zach Payne and Red Pill 78 and you'll always get best-in-class service from Patriots Protecting Patriots. Patriot Gold Group has the no-fee-for-life IRA where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver and you may be eligible for the no-fee-for-life IRA on qualifying rollovers. So give them a call today at 888-857-6092 to get 
get their free investor guide today. Patriot Gold Group is a consumer affairs top rated gold IRA dealer for seven years in a row. Once again, give them a call today at 888 888- 857-6092. Mention me, Zach Payne, and Red Pill 78 I want to specifically thank Patriot Gold for becoming a sponsor of this channel. And when you support my sponsors, you also support this channel. All right. Welcome back. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Sincerely appreciate it. If you wouldn't mind, as we get started, please consider hitting that like button. If you haven't yet, make sure you're subscribed. And thank you very much to everyone for being here regardless. If you're just watching on any old platform and you don't have an account, consider getting yourself an account because it's totally free. It allows you to get notifications for when I do go live and when I post videos. Uh, I posted two videos outside of the live streams in the last 24 four hours. Earlier today, I posted an interview that I did with Zach Voorhees talking about the dangers of the AI singularity that the elites seem to be intent on bringing down upon us. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of mess waiting to happen there. And then yesterday, I did an interview with Patty Greer, my friend from C60 Evo, which is one of the sponsors of the show. And of course, the link is in the description for that, c60evo.com forward slash redpill78. Thank you very much to Patty. Thank you very much to Patriot Gold and all of the sponsors for Red Pill News and, of course, the channel itself, Red Pill 78. And thank you, of course, to every single one of you for either your direct sponsorship and support of the show or for simply being here, hitting that like button and sharing it out. I really do appreciate it. All right, you guys, I want to get started on something that is uh, special to me, means a lot to me, not just because I'm a Florida resident, but because I truly believe in the protection of children. Sometimes you get it right and sometimes you get it wrong. I didn't get it wrong. Florida didn't get it wrong. Parents haven't gotten it wrong. The Supreme Court has gotten this one wrong. Let's take a look. So you guys probably know about the Protection of Children Act. This was the act that was passed down here in Florida, uh, where I believe states have the ultimate right to decide what happens in their state. We should not be dictated to by either the federal government or the Supreme Court of the United States of America, especially when it comes to something as important as protecting the innocence of a child. Well, The U.S. Supreme Court has officially blocked our law that protects children from attending sexually explicit drag shows. And it's not just sexually explicit drag shows. It's sexually explicit live performances. So now as a result of this law being blocked, theoretically, a dad could walk into a deja vu or I don't even know what the name of a strip club is. Anyways, some strip club where maybe they're just topless. Uh, Or maybe they're just showing a little bit of skin. They're wearing thongs, so you can't see much other than their entire butts. Uh, Yeah, that dad could bring that child into that establishment, uh, and it would be no big deal. Now, this goes so far beyond what is right, what is decent, because first of all, many times these events take place inside of uh, establishments that are only meant for adults to enter anyways. Back when I was a kid, we couldn't enter a bar unless we were coming in there with our parents. Uh, And even then, we certainly couldn't be around if there was going to be explicit things taking place. Perhaps if it was uh, a band that was going to be playing, you know, they were going to be talking about profane things. They wouldn't want the kids there. And of course, if there was going to be some woman shaking her uh, uncovered breasts around on stage, they definitely wouldn't want us to be there, too. 
I guess the U.S. Supreme Court and so many other people in America believe that as long as they're not a real woman, as long as they only identify as a woman, doesn't matter how nice those boobies are, doesn't matter how much they paid for them, it's okay for the kids to go ahead and see them because they're not real boobs at the end of the day anyways. They still do not allow women, adult women, uh, in some places to breastfeed their children in public. They call that profane. I say that's a beautiful act. That That is a mother nourishing her child. And if you end up growing up in this country and you don't recognize that God made it possible for a woman to nourish their baby and that's the way that it's supposed to go, then you've got something going on in the head. And I think the same can be true if you think that it's appropriate to bring a child, especially a toddler, someone who is so vulnerable, someone who is is so impressionable, to bring them to a sexually explicit strip show, regardless of what is between the legs of the person who's on stage or parading around the establishment holding hands with a young child. I'm sure you guys remember this video. I played it on the show here before because I was just so stunned when I saw it. It was this was from TikTok and the person who posted it is trans identifies as a woman says children belong at drag shows children deserve to see fun and expression of freedom and then of course there's the rainbow flag the heart symbol which oftentimes is associated with pedophilia and then of course a a a, a party hat thing so the ruling is coming after a federal district court sided with the bar the Orlando bar Hamburger Mary's sounds like a great place to bring your kids. And it marks a pretty big setback for the efforts uh, of parents and lawmakers alike to safeguard minors from uh, viewing this potentially harmful and impressionable content. Uh, SB 1438 was the official designation for the bill. It was signed into law by Governor Ron DeSantis, and it criminalizes the act of allowing children to witness sexually explicit live performances. If you guys have ever witnessed one of these drag shows, oftentimes, There are uh, depictions of oral sex on stage. Sometimes there are depictions of anal sex that happen on stage. Oftentimes people get naked. There is certainly nudity. You know, a child cannot go to a 7-Eleven and purchase a – uh, a penthouse or something like that. Uh, do what? I don't know what. I don't know what porno mags they have nowadays. I'm just trying to remember from when I was a kid. But they probably have all manner of pornographic magazines. All manner of pornographic materials, and a children can't go and look at that. Okay, they're not even supposed to be looking at it, uh, you know, with or without their parents. I think that if anybody uh, was to give their eight, nine, ten-year-old child a, a Playboy or a penthouse or some other porno mag, uh, and say, you know what, it's okay as long as we're together. You know, hey, let's go up the street. Dad's gonna get a beer. Make sure you bring that penthouse, and then uh, I've got some things I want you to say to the waitress when she gets over there. So this is part of the state's protection of Children Act, and it would have fined or revoked the licenses of venues that knowingly admit children to these live adult performances. It would be one thing if it was just men in dresses, okay? You know, not showing skin, just maybe singing songs like Victor Victoria or something like that. You know, it doesn't have to be about the sexual aspects of it, but let's be honest. I mean, men by and large, are horn dogs, okay? And for a lot of men, they never stop thinking with their second brain. They only think with that second brain. And so it doesn't matter if a man identifies as a woman, they become 
whatever they want to be, and they still have that same innate sexual drive because regardless of whoever they want to sleep with, there is still an innate internal drive to procreate. That's the reason that men so often are driven by sex, okay? But as a result of that, it also means that oftentimes when they engage in these drag shows, uh, sexual activity happens on stage. Uh, Now, the law defines adult live performances as any show, exhibition, or other presentation in front of a live audience, which in whole or in part depicts or simulates nudity, sexual conduct, sexual excitement, or sexual specific sexual activities, lewd conduct or the lewd exposure of prosthetic or imitation genitals or breasts that covers the gamut. And I I just can't imagine that anybody would think that it would be appropriate to bring a child into any sort of establishment and have them witness these sorts of things. But the drag eatery Hamburger Mary's immediately challenged the law As soon as it was passed, uh, they reestablished the argument that uh, this measure infringed upon their First Amendment rights. The contention was initially upheld by a federal district court, which ruled that the law likely violated constitutional protections of free speech. No one is saying that they can't have a drag show. No one is saying that they can't even contend with uh, lewd sexual acts on stage. You just can't have kids in the establishment while you're doing it. So they have drag brunches uh, and they claim that because it's a brunch and because a brunch eatery, I guess, is for families, they want as many people to come in there and eat as possible. The law itself was hurting their business. So they argued that their decision on whether or not a performance took place that was befitting a child or an underage audience or not was within the purview of the legal guardians. Uh, I do believe that as a parent, you should have the leeway to decide, you know, what kind of stuff your your child is exposed to. Um, but this is a, a hard line. This is a like a hard line of demarcation. Okay, uh, sexual activity has no place in the relationship with children. And this goes to the heart of the matter of why they want to push this stuff on children, because if they can get them while they're young, get them while they're impressionable. Make sex and sexual activity the the number one thing that they think about, okay? Then it allows them to push that grooming just a little bit further. And next thing you know, you know, they're a baseball coach having sex with a 15-year-old student at the high school where they teach. Uh, But, you know, that's neither here nor there. That's just one example of something that somebody might do. Uh, In these instances, you know, these people are eager to prey on children. We've seen it time and time again. So – The Supreme Court has now stated that the injunction would only apply to Hamburger Mary's while the case continued. And now that it's over, it doesn't apply at all. So the Tampa Free Press uh, and the Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation Secretary Melanie Griffith sent out an emergency application to Justice Clarence Thomas requesting that the law be reinstated while the lawsuit plays out. But Florida is now unable to enforce it at all. Uh, On Thursday, their request to the Supreme Court to limit the lower court's injunction solely against Hamburger Mary's was rejected in a six to three vote. Justices Thomas, Alito and Gorsuch were the dissenters. Those three are the ones who said, you know what, you shouldn't bring porno around kids. So Kavanaugh and Barrett clarified that Florida's failure to raise the First Amendment issue in the case means that the court's decision does not reflect a stance on whether the law breaches First Amendment rights. 
Now, until the 11th Circuit Court hears the case fully, the law will not be enforced in that state. So the fight is not over. There is still an opportunity for children to be protected. There's still an opportunity for the parents and the lawmakers of Florida to uh, make a hard stance on exactly what children should and should not be allowed to witness. Uh, Again, I have no problem. If consenting adults want to engage in drag shows or even to witness sexual acts on stage, it doesn't bother me, has nothing to do with me. I won't be there. Neither will my kids. Uh, And that should be the same for everyone. So wanted to start with that because there's another case that I felt the Supreme Court got right. And that, of course, was the issue of debt forgiveness, loan forgiveness uh, that Joe Biden wanted to push in an effort to get as many votes as he possibly could. Well, In this instance, it doesn't even matter what the Supreme Court said because the Biden regime is in the midst of uh, of 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 just freeing up the debt completely, completely absolving it for millions of people. Another round of about 800,000 emails went out to student borrowers uh, just this past uh, 24 to 48 hours. Now, I've always been honest. I, I have student loans myself. I pay on them every single month. I pay an extra amount at the end of the year depending on you know how good of a year it was. Something tells me there's not going to be any extra payments this year because inflation is up something like 20 percent. But you know, anyways. Um, but I am not one of those people that they are offering to forgive my student debt. And when they initially came out with the plan to forgive student debt, it was something that you would have to opt into. But apparently Joe Biden and his regime are identifying the youngest voters uh, who are most likely to vote for him. And it looks like those are the ones that they're actually sending that debt forgiveness out to. Uh, so far, he has forgiven $127 billion in student loan debt to 3.5 million borrowers entirely. That means we have another $127 billion that's just added to the federal deficit. So, you know, you, even me, I am paying off somebody else's student loan debt now. Thank you very much, Joe Biden. Appreciate that. So initially, he had unilaterally canceled about $400 billion in student loans. It turns out to be something roughly like $10,000 in debt for borrowers who earn $125,000 a year or less, uh, and that would be up to $20,000 for recipients of Pell Grants, and that was what was kicked out by the Supreme Court. Uh, So in his email, it's clear Joe Biden is fishing for votes. He said, I hope this relief gives you a little more breathing room. I've heard from countless people who've told me that relieving the burden of student debt will allow them to support themselves and their families and move forward with life plans they've put on hold. Never mind about the rest of us who have put our entire lives on hold to pay our bills on time every month. He says, I'm proud that we were able to give borrowers like you the relief you earned. I promise you that as as long as I'm president, I will never stop fighting for hardworking American families. Here's a couple of crumbs. Don't forget to vote next November. Now, also in the email, they ask the people who are having their debt forgiven to send a letter back. Let them know, how is this going to affect you? You can bet they're going to be using this in campaign materials. Joe Biden's probably going to, you know, I got a letter from a coal miner in Skokie, Illinois, who went to school for dental procedures or something. And he had to end up going and working in the mines because he couldn't afford his his student loans. But now, because I forgave his student loans, he's going to go back to being a dentist and everything's going to be okay. Uh, Let me see. Um, Yes, a.k.a. Lou. How can he? 
Well, the answer is because. Because he's a dictator. He's an authoritarian leader. Uh, Freight Awakening says, my dad still regrets taking me to that donkey show in TJ when I was seven. I bet he does. <laughs> oh, my God. I can only imagine. Like, Dad, what's going on? I'm so confused. <laughs> mm. Yes, the answer, a.k.a. Lou, is that he can't. Okay, he has gone beyond the boundaries of the power of his office. Doesn't matter, though, what is legal. Doesn't matter what should be happening. Uh, Clearly, illegality has never stopped the deep state from doing exactly what they want. Because remember, a.k.a. Lou09, laws only apply to you. Rules for thee, but not for me, if me is Joe Biden. And I'm not, so the rules apply to me as well. So despite the fact that Joe Biden is fishing for votes, doing everything he can to try to drum up as much support as he possibly can on his way into 2024, uh, we have Americans who previously supported him continuing to move their support away from Joe Biden to Donald J. Trump because he is the only candidate who's going to fix this mess once he returns to Washington, D.C., It's so much bigger than just what the president can do. Donald Trump already has all of his appointees chosen. He's got all of his new hires selected. He knows everybody he's going to fire. He knows every single person who's going to be appointed to a cabinet level position. And once he gets to Washington, D.C., the gloves are off. This is not business as usual. This is not going to be the same old go along to get along. This is where the hard work begins. And people like this young man knows that all too well. Not only is he a black American, he is also a leader in the Black Lives Matter movement. And he visited Fox News to talk about why he was supporting Donald Trump instead of Joe Biden. So Mark Fisher is the co-founder of the Rhode Island chapter of Black Lives Matter. He's been a lifelong Democrat. But he became disgruntled and he ditched the DNC very recently. Now, it has been reported uh, numerous times that Fisher had been a staunch supporter of the January 6th prisoners who have been persecuted by the Biden regime. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was really what led him to reconsider his support for the Democrats and for Joe Biden, because he saw what was being done to the January 6th detainees. And he said, you know what, as a black American, this is exactly what we've been talking about. At the end of the day, we are not so different. There is a difference between being an activist to support the idea of black lives mattering uh, and, of course, all lives mattering uh, and using the Black Lives Matter moniker to enrich yourself, to burn down cities and to destroy black owned businesses. Those are two totally different things. Black lives can matter, but all lives have to matter. And Mark understands that because he sees what they're doing to these guys from January 6th. He sees the way they're being treated, the way they're being beaten, the way they're being sleep deprived, the way they're being deprived of three square meals a day, the way they're being deprived of their constitutional rights. They don't get their phone calls. They don't necessarily get to go outside. They're being kept in the shoe, the hole for months and months at a time. And so he decided that he was going to start talking to some of these guys. And as a result of that, he has fully come on board as a supporter of Donald Trump. So now he's decided that the best way that he can send a message 
to other people who he wants to support Donald Trump uh, is to get out there and speak about him because Donald Trump is the man responsible for the prosperity that not only minority Americans felt during his term in office, but all Americans. Okay, Donald Trump did amazing things for black Americans, Hispanic Americans, Chinese, Asian Americans, for American Americans, for all Americans. He loves going through and doing that whole list of people. He certainly did more for the nation and for the people that make it up, the people who give their consent to have representative government. He helped all of those people. Meanwhile, Joe Biden picks and chooses who he's going to assist. By and large, most of his assistance is going into his private Swiss account. And then, of course, it's heading outside of the nation as well. So uh, Fisher appeared on Fox and Friends. He talked about backing President Trump. Uh, and uh, he had some choice words uh, for the Democrats. And I, I I thought we should listen. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Matter Rhode Island, Mark Fisher. Mark, thanks so much for joining the program. Uh, you know, this is my favorite story of the day because it identifies with what I've seen in the barbershop, all the brothers, for some reason right now, are turning tides right now. And I, I just wonder, what is the big reason? I think personally, it's the duplicity of the Democrats, mm. the hypocrisy. Um, we're not stupid. The brothers are not stupid. We, we understand when someone's for us and when someone is not. And it's obvious that the Democratic Party is not for us. Yeah, I, I can't. Their, party, their, their, their policies actually strike at the heart of the black family. And the nuclear family. Yeah. So, you know, you were part of Black Lives Matter. Uh, you founded it there. So right there, what he just said about the destruction of the nuclear family, the destruction of the black American family. It's not only the destruction of the black family. That's where they started. OK, they had to unravel the nation from within. And so they went to the cities. They went to the working class. They destroyed them and then they worked their way out into the suburbs. And now essentially the nation is just a load of people who have no direction, who have no connection, who are, are lacking in that familial support. And it's so sad. There is nothing sadder than the distance that we have between us nowadays. And as, a, as an organization, Black Lives Matter is corrupt. Black Lives Matter is bankrupt, morally bankrupt. They have plenty of money, but they've basically stolen it all. And the nation recognizes this. They realize that there's one thing. You can support the idea of Americans mattering, and it doesn't mean that you have to bend a knee to this corrupt organization who was founded by communists uh, and who really want nothing more than to destroy you and everything you hold dear. And now you're saying you're, you're not saying the entire Republican Party. You're saying Donald Trump. So what is it about Donald Trump? Is it the economics? Uh, you noted the black family. What is it going to take for him to sure up this support amongst uh, black voters? Well, I just, I just think that it's going to take information. A lot of people are misinformed. They don't really understand because they don't educate themselves on, on Donald Trump as a person and his history. It's so powerful. It's so powerful for Americans who won't listen to Donald Trump, who all they've ever heard is the programming and the narrative crafting by the mainstream media and the DNC plantation. If that's all they know, they look at what Donald Trump did. And while he was in office, they thought he was Hitler. They thought that he was Mussolini, Stalin, OK, the worst of the worst. 
But now that Joe Biden's there and (laughs) all they can see is what's happening to their bank accounts, they're looking for voices. They're looking for reason. And Mark's right. Too many people didn't educate themselves. This is why America got into the problem, because we trusted the institutions that by all rights, we should have been able to trust. It took many years for the entire nation to break out of that narrative programming. And here we are. And every single day, more and more people are coming over. More and more people are waking up. More and more people are recognizing that they've been lied to. So I I welcome I welcome Mark. I welcome anybody else who has a question about the way the world really works and the way you've been lied to. Please email me, redpill78 at proton.me. Happy to speak with you about it. Um, But if they do that, and it's going to take, you know, leaders, educated leaders getting the word out there. um, I think that it'll happen on its own and it'll be organic because um, personally, I love the man. I mean, how could you not like a real man? How could you not relate to someone like that? Donald Trump is the example, the pinnacle of masculinity, of success, of fortuitousness. Donald Trump knows exactly what he wants. He knows exactly how to get there, and he knows exactly what he needs to do. He's done it his entire life. It's why he was successful. It's why Access Hollywood wanted to do an interview with him. It's why NBC did the show with him all those years. It's why he became president of the United States of America. He was real. We saw it. We wanted it. We needed it for this country. We were sick and tired of lip service, sick and tired of business as usual, sick and tired of being lied to. Donald Trump was honest. And yes, some people couldn't see it, but now they do. Yeah, he he watches every morning, so I'm sure he's cheering as you're saying this. We looked at some of the polls for Trump over uh, over Biden in the battleground states. In 2020, it was 8%. Now in 2023, he has 22%. And that's just not black men. So uh, election, the election is right around the corner. If you had the opportunity to talk to the former president, I'm sure he's watching right now. What would you tell him? Call me. I'm my cell phone, man. I'll stop for Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, uh, I'm fascinated. Keep it up, Mark. Keep it up, buddy. We need more people out there speaking. Good for him for getting on Fox News. I know it's only Fox News, but, you know, Fox News still has an audience. And it largely it's an audience of people who don't get to watch these shows, who have no idea about the other sources of information that are out there. And it's a great bridge for people who are just coming over from CNN or whatever. You know, let's try to move them here onto Rumble. Let's try to move them onto the Foxhole. Let's move them on to Getter and you know, even onto X at this point. Let's get them over here. Let's help these people overcome a lifetime of narrative programming. And let's show them what's really happening. All right. Now, one narrative they are desperately trying to bring back, Dr. Peter Hotez. This I played a video of him several months ago, and I, I, had, I wanted to find it. I wanted to play it again. I, I couldn't find it in time for the show. But Dr. Hotez talking uh, on various mainstream media programs, CNN, MSNBC, uh, you know, all kinds of places, talking about how safe and effective the shot was going to be and, you know, how we would only need to take that one. And then now we know we need to take two. And now it looks like we're probably just going to have to take boosters until we die. Uh, He is now predicting, even though he's been spectacularly wrong on every prediction thus far, 
that disease X is going to be coming. It's going to be 20 times worse than COVID-19. I tend to believe that among the people who are still getting boosters, even though there's precious few of them, those people might find themselves at a greater risk for some sort of communicable disease. But the people like us who are getting proper nutrition, the people like us who take care of ourselves, the people like us who are strengthening our immune systems, I'm not worried about anything. I am fully aware that there is a likelihood that they may put out some other sort of pandemic, a generally manufactured and genetically modified organism produced in a lab that's designed to scare us and get us to go back onto the idea of unrestricted mail-in ballots by the millions, but nothing's going to stop me. I'm not going to stay at home. I will never be told to stand six feet apart from anybody. I will never be forced to mask. I will never allow my freedom and my mobility to be restricted by arbitrary bureaucratic measures that have absolutely no place in scientific rigor or documented percentages of reality. Simply will not. But This is the only card that they may have come that time. So Peter Hotez, he was kind of made famous because he refused to debate RFK Jr. on the effectiveness of the clot shots. So uh, he is now out speaking about the possibility that we're going to see new pandemics by the time we get to 2024. He actually said this on Fox. Uh, Disease X is coming. It's going to be worse than COVID-19. I am very worried that we as a nation haven't made the commitment to really fully protect the American people. Such a load of garbage. The only people who haven't made the commitment to protect Americans are people like you, Dr. Hotez. People like you who lie to the American people who would tell them to trust the science when the science says if they take a, an mRNA clot shot, they're probably going to die or they're going to have some sort of uh, you know, overriding immune disorder. Maybe they're going to develop vaccine-induced AIDS. There's all kinds of reasons why you wouldn't want to touch this stuff. And now, thank you, thank you, CDC, FDA, uh, NIH, thank you, for, thank you for what you did for us. I got to be honest, guys, because they took the mask off. They showed us exactly who they were. Many people knew But many other people had no idea. It was once again an institution that had our best interests at heart. And so we thought, many people thought, not me, but many people thought that we could trust them. Now we know. Now we know that the government, doesn't matter what agency, doesn't matter which department, it's full of self-serving narcissists who will lie to us without batting an eyelash. Let's take a look at the latest lies of Dr. Peter Hotez. Pandemic make the height of the COVID-19 outbreak look mild. That's what some experts are predicting for what's being called disease X. So I am very worried that we, we just don't, uh, we as a nation, we haven't made that commitment to really fully protect the American people. We caught up with internationally recognized Dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine at Baylor and co-director of the... First of all, this dude is driving. He's driving and he's doing a video interview on a phone. Like, okay, 
I would say that Dr. Peter Hotez is the one who hasn't fully committed to protecting the American people because he could lose control of his vehicle at any time. I don't know. Maybe he's driving a Tesla. Maybe it's a fully autonomous self-driving vehicle. I guess let's give him the benefit of the doubt. But still, I think it's a bad look. Texas Children's Hospital Center for Vaccine Development, Dr. Peter Hotez, who's traveling to get his take on the topic. We have a likelihood that new pandemic threats that people call them disease X are going to be rising on a regular basis. And Dr. Hotel. Let me just ask you guys. I mean, I'm 45 years old. How many pandemics have you experienced in your lifetime? And we can't count the last one because that one didn't count because it wasn't a real pandemic. I'm going to guess that you are among the majority of people who have experienced zero pandemics in your entire life. So, Peter, why is it that that only now, only when so much is on the line with the 2024 election coming up, are we suddenly worried about these ongoing pandemics? It wasn't until Bill Gates started talking about how pandemics were coming, uh, till Albert Borla predicted spectacularly that Moderna was going to become a billion-dollar company because they were going to get a pandemic. Wow. It seems like these guys have some sort of inside baseball that the rest of us are just not privy to. I don't know. As says disease X, the next pandemic could hit hard whenever it arrives. Why do you think some experts are predicting the next pandemic will make COVID-19 look like a walk in the park? Because they built it to be that way. That's why. I've written about this as well. I wrote for the Houston Chronicle a couple of months back that COVID-19 is just the warm-up act. Um, the next pandemic may not be as severe, but it could be much more severe. After years of... Okay. Remember when they told us that millions of people were going to die? Remember when they kept a ticker going in the corner of every mainstream media outlet 24 hours a day? telling us about all of the COVID-19 deaths and showed us video footage of nurse wards full of people on ventilators and body bags being shoveled into a mass grave with a backhoe and a digger. None of it was true. None of it was true. Do you remember what happened during the pandemic? TikTok exploded. The nurses who were supposedly working on those COVID wards The first responders, the heroes, the real heroes, they were out there building their followings on TikTok and doing TikTok challenges and singing songs and synchronized dance moves. Yeah. okay, sure. Seems like it was a really big pandemic to me. I'm not worried and I won't be worried and nobody is going to force me into compliance. Now, there is an interesting set of conversations that are happening right now in Washington, D.C., And it all surveils around surveillance. It's about FISA 702. We're going to talk about that conversation when we come back on the other side of the break. We'll be right back after this. So recently, I've told you guys about a breakthrough new anti-aging remedy that I've been using that keeps me energized all day long. I just take a teaspoonful of C60 Evo olive oil in the morning, and I notice better mental focus, flexibility, and physical endurance. Now, it's rare to feel improvements this quickly. I also end up sleeping deeper at night, so it's really helpful. Their peptide and ESS60 hair and lotion renewal formulas are exceptional because they really work. And C60 Evo's lab has been manufactured 
manufacturing this Nobel Prize winning miracle molecule for 32 years in their Houston, Texas Patriot owned lab. ESS 60 is the upgraded version of the carbon 60 molecule. It's specifically made for both people and pets. It's a potent and effective way for people's lives to be improved all around the world. So maximize your health and enjoy noticeable results with C60 Evo organic edible oils, skin serums, and pet products. You can buy with confidence from C60 Evo, and you can use my personal code for a discount at checkout. Simply go to c60evo.com forward slash redpill78, and then when you're there, use code redpill78 for an additional 10% off your entire order. Once again, that's c60evo.com forward slash redpill78, and when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right, welcome back. So the question I'm talking about has to do with Section 702, the sweeping secret government surveillance that is afforded to the federal government as a result of FISA. So right now the conversation is revolving around either A, not allowing FISA to continue in any form at all, or B, to create a massive sweeping reform of FISA. Now, Jim Jordan opposes allowing the FISA reauthorization to be attached to the defense bill. This goes back to what Matt Gates's initial argument was, that we need to have single-issue bills so that we don't have things that are tied together. So congressmen don't feel the need to vote yes on something because some aspect of something they like or support is attached to it. Separate these things so that we can look at them individually. There's quite a few people in Congress who oppose the reauthorization of FISA at all. But Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which is part of the National Defense Authorization Act, allows the deep state to surveil citizens, to surveil conservatives, uh, and even to surveil progressives. It allows the government to simply take whatever they want. And this is over and above the recent spying that we learned about in terms of your cell phone records. So Jordan apparently is going to be proposing a reform of 702. This could come out as early as Friday. We're going to have to wait and see what happens. Of course, Jordan is the chair of the Judiciary Committee, uh, and uh, I'm interested to see what he does. Personally, I think that 702 needs to be done away with in its entirety. It's not necessary. We don't need it. It gives the government far too much power. It's essentially a secret court to allow them to do whatever they want. You know, we're supposed to have the right to uh, to actually face our accusers, to know the substance of what we're being accused of. But the extension of 702 can possibly lead to additional abuses as we have seen on so many different occasions. Just recently, we learned about the misuse of FISA by the FBI specifically and another organization that I think needs to be disbanded in its entirety. Simply between 2020 and 2021, there were over 300,000 abuses of FISA by the FBI. The FBI also did an interagency audit and they found that they had insufficient justification for a number of searches related to what happened in D.C. on January 6th. So Darren LaHood, a Republican from Illinois, who is also a member of the House Intelligence Committee, revealed that he was the unnamed lawmaker who was surveilled by the FBI. Once again, the FBI using 702 to spy on elected government officials. Not the first time it's happened. 
won't be the last time it's happened if 702 is allowed to exist in its current incarnation. Now, it's not just Jim Jordan talking about it. We're talking about a bipartisan group of lawmakers in Congress, 54 different lawmakers, all of them urging Mike Johnson not to allow this surveillance extension to be inserted into the defense authorization bill. We've got Democrats and Republicans, conservatives and progressors, progressives, all calling on Mike Johnson just earlier today not to extend what's going on in Section 702. Representatives Warren Davidson from Ohio, Republican, Zoe Lofgren, Democrat of California, both of them are skeptics of government surveillance. They're the ones who spearheaded this letter, brought together this bipartisan coalition, and it's coming just weeks before our year-end deadline, which would be when they would have to extend 702 to allow FISA to continue. Again, with 702 in place, various intelligence and interagency communities can collect the communications of individuals who are targeted, targeted foreigners, it's supposed to be, and then they have what's called umbrella surveillance. So everyone that you've talked to in your circle, they can also surveil them as well. But it also has led, as we've seen, such in the case of Carter Page, to the surveillance of Americans, our private communications, oftentimes when we've done nothing wrong at all. Privacy advocates will tell you, constitutional conservatives and very intelligent people will tell you that this is essentially an end run around the Fourth Amendment because a warrant is required to access the communications of Americans. This law is set to expire at the end of this year. Unless they renew it, it will simply go away. So all they have to do is nothing. If they do nothing, FISA will seek to exist cease to exist and they will no longer have it. Now, uh, the lawmaker said in no uncertain terms that Mike Johnson, uh, Hakeem Jeffries, Mitch McConnell from the uh, Senate and Mitch and I'm sorry, and uh, Chuck Schumer from the Senate should not pursue a reauthorization of it with 54 people. I think that they would be able to stop this in its tracks. Uh, I think that there will be more people coming. Untitled82, thank you so much for being a monthly supporter over there on Locals. Now, I'll tell you this. The reason I think they're going to be able to block it is because Matt Gates has flat out said that there will be no extension of 702. Matt Gates made these comments claiming that this reauthorization wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to do a temporary reauthorization. They weren't going to do a full-on continuance because at the end of the day, it's a surveillance tool of the deep state to allow them to take a, a leak all over our constitutional rights. So Breitbart News spoke with uh, Speaker Johnson as well as the Democrat leaders who are considering the possibility of sliding this in at the 11th hour into the NDA which would essentially give the Congress no choice but to vote for because they need to have that bill passed by the end of the year so they continue to fund the government. Personally, I'm of the opinion that if they want to go ahead and play that, then let's shut the whole thing down. This is an, this is an issue of such great importance that if Matt Gates believes this, if the 54 others on this list believe this, then refuse to give your vote to anything that includes a continuance, either permanent or temporary, of Section 702 because they should never have the right to gain warrantless wiretapping and surveillance of our private communications and what's happening in our lives. They have shown us time and time again that there is no good reason for this and 
as a result of just how broad the powers are in FISA, it allows them to use it for corrupt purposes on so many occasions. FreedomWorks spoke about this on Twitter, and Gates said, I love the folks at FreedomWorks, but this isn't true. I spoke to Speaker Johnson, and while there is still work to be done on to hammer out the legislation, the plan is to run it as a single-subject, standalone bill. So we're going to have to see how this goes. If it does happen by Friday, well, then we may have some updates to bring you. Once again, I think it's worth calling your congressman and letting them know that FISA, the abuse of our Fourth Amendment rights as American citizens, it should not be happening. Uh, And uh, eventually we will get it taken care of. Uh, I know that a lot of people are very frustrated because they've had this power since uh, since 9-11. And uh, as a result of that pre premeditated terrorist attack, which the own government, uh, our own American government had a part to play in, uh, it allowed for them to take our rights and just throw them into the dustbin of history. We got to do away with it. Now, Seth Rich, say his name, Seth Conrad Rich. He's the young man who was murdered in Washington, D.C., one of the most well-trafficked and surveilled cities in the United States of America. It's where the seat of power is. It's where the government exists. It's where they have these unique tools called shot spotters where they can tell when a bullet goes off. They can tell what direction it came from. And, of course, they have all kinds of surveillance equipment to allow them to keep an eye on people who might be using guns to commit acts of violence in that major metropolitan city. Let's not forget that it is also spook central. FBI, CIA, the DOD, you name it. You've got so many different intelligence agencies operating in Washington, D.C. on a daily basis. Now, Seth was special. Seth was special because he was a Bernie supporter. He did not support Hillary Clinton, and he was worried about the election. He was worried about the primary. He was worried about it being fair, and he saw what they were doing to Bernie Sanders. It's alleged that he likely is the source for the WikiLeaks release, which came out of the DNC. That hasn't been proven yet, but getting a hold of Seth Rich's laptop, my friends— This is quite literally the Rosetta Stone when it comes to learning exactly who handed that information over. And as I said in the introduction, attorney Ty Clevenger has been on the bleeding edge of this effort to get Seth's personal information released. He's been after the DOJ and the FBI for nearly 10 years. I mean, he he was murdered in 2015. It's almost 2014 now. And the Podesta emails and the DNC leaks, my God, they had some crazy stuff in them. Just yesterday, I was talking about John Podesta's emails, Media Matters. Take a look at the content of those emails. And then, again, take a look at the declassified list of terms and phrases that are in use to this day by child traffickers and the abusers of children. And find the very obvious 
points of commonality, the things that are just so obviously codes for other things. So in order to figure out why Seth Rich was killed, it's important to take a look at the information that was on his laptop because as John Podesta said, he was eager to make an example of a suspected leaker, whether or not they were even guilty. There was an insinuation by John Podesta that he wanted to make someone pay. Seth Rich likely was the release, the person who released the DNC and the Podesta emails, and he blew up Hillary Clinton's campaign. It's fair to say. And this has also always been supposedly the key to Russia collusion. Uh, because if Russia didn't supply the WikiLeaks emails, and of course it was never found that they did, but it was certainly insinuated to a large degree by the mainstream media, by the DNC, by Hillary Clinton, if it's shown, if it can be proven conclusively that Russia did not supply the WikiLeaks emails, then the Russia collusion story once again is proven to be a bald-faced lie. It's just proven in another way, and I'm anxious to see that done in any way we can. So what's about, what's so special about Seth Rich's laptop? Well, the FBI did not want you or I to know that they possessed it. For years, they denied they had anything in their archives related to Seth Rich. But the FBI and the DOJ have been caught lying over and over and over again. And the judge that was overseeing this case brought by Ty Clevenger and his client has finally demanded that the FBI and the DOJ provide everything that they have on Seth Rich. And the FBI responded saying that they needed another 66 years before they could release the information. What is this, the Kennedy assassination? Are these the Pfizer documents? What's so special in this laptop, FBI? Well, I know. If it turns out that Seth Rich was the source of the Podesta emails and the DNC leaks, then it shows that there was motive for him to be killed by someone at the DNC, by someone within the powers that perceive the ruling of Washington, D.C., either at the DNC, inside the federal government, inside the deep state at the end of the day. This is huge news. But it was a year ago in October of 2022 that the FBI was trying to say, hey, 66 years is the quickest we can get it to you. But of course, if you're a 66-year-old MAGA grandma who set foot on the Capitol lawn, they'll be at your house in 15 minutes. Trust me on that. They can get the manpower together for that, no problem. But thank God for Judge Amos L. Mazant because they just ruled that the FBI has to hand over All of that data, Seth Rich's personal laptop, Seth Rich's work laptop, a DVD that he had on him when he died, what was on that DVD, and a thumb drive. They have to do it within 14 days. That was yesterday. So now it's a countdown, 13 days until the FBI has to hand over a copy of it. And uh, Ty Clevenger actually provided a copy of the court order. It's a 25-page motion from the judge. And you can see all of the details contained herein. I'm really anxious to see what's on there. But most importantly, I'm anxious to see what the communications were between Seth Rich and Julian Assange, uh, what sort of details he might have on his laptop that give us a little bit of insight into the motive of why he was killed. I think it's quite clear 
Uh, I also think that um, we may be able to implicate some additional people in his murder and perhaps finally after all these years, we may just get justice for Seth Rich. And I'll tell you what. Uh, This is something that I have been following since the very moment it happened. I knew instantly. I knew it. I knew it had something to do with WikiLeaks. I knew it had something to do with the Podesta emails. There was just no way. It was too convenient and it was too botched by the FBI. You would think they'd put their best man on the job. Uh, You just had a promising young star working at the DNC murdered in the middle of the night in the seat of power, and they couldn't figure anything out. And then even more than that, it seemed like somebody got to Seth's parents. Seth's parents sued Matt about this case, about him talking about the possibility that WikiLeaks had something to do with it. They definitely don't want anyone talking about it. All I'm saying is it's alleged, and the only way we can prove it one way or the other is to take a look at the contents of his work, his personal emails, his his entire laptops, the DVD. Did the DVD have something on there that he felt was too dangerous to leave on an electronic medium, that he needed to have it on some sort of physical medium because he was going to hand it over to somebody? Remember, Julian Assange in, intimated that Seth Rich likely was the source of the WikiLeaks release for the DNC and the Podesta emails because he, in the same breath, he was talking about how the dangers were real to his sources and that a young DNC staffer had just been gunned down in Washington, D.C. He didn't explicitly state that they were the same person, but he made that connection and a lot of people ran with it. Marjorie Taylor Greene getting in on the action as well, just tweeting out Seth Rich. At this point, despite how ineffective the FBI is, if they were really doing their job, we would have had some sort of answers about this. You know, they've never found a single suspect in regards to Seth Rich. They never found uh, a murder weapon. Uh, They never found anything to indicate that this was a botched robbery because Seth had all of his personal belongings on him. You'd think that even if it was a robbery, they would grab his bag. They would take his laptops. They, they would take his wallet. But they didn't take any of it. The only thing they took was his life. And the only person who made mention of making an example out of a leaker, suspected or otherwise, was John Podesta. John Podesta, in my opinion, allegedly is the Prince of Darkness himself. And anytime you see John Podesta's name, I get a chill up my spine. That man is pure evil, pure evil. And I can't wait to see what happens with this case. Yeah, utterly um, the uh, mm, the buzz about Assange being released. It's been going on for a while, but, you know, so far nothing has happened. I'm anxiously awaiting his release as well. I, I I think that he deserves it. I don't think that he has deserved the treatment that he's received, uh, either being forced to, to live inside the Ecuadorian embassy or to have been in Belmarsh prison for all this time. Uh, they, they've done a real disservice to him. He's a journalist. He, he didn't do anything illegal. Uh, there have been journalists who have revealed all sorts of things uh, on many different occasions. The difference is he went up against one of the most powerful forces in Washington, D.C. That was uh, the establishment. 
All right. So considering the fact that the FBI couldn't figure out who killed Seth Rich, or at least they couldn't tell anybody who killed Seth Rich, I don't expect this to be a successful investigation either. So over the weekend, Derek Chauvin was stabbed in prison. He's obviously a target, right? The only way people like Derek Chauvin get stabbed in prison is if the guards allow it to happen, if the prison allows for a lapse in security to take place. Now, uh, I don't know much about Derek Chauvin's condition. They have been kind of quiet about it. But I did see his family discussing this, and they think the same thing that I do, that the only way Derek could have been stabbed as attempted murder is if they wanted it to happen. Not the family, but the uh, the the uh, the prison where he's staying. So the FBI is now initiating a thorough investigation into Derek Chauvin's attempted murder, uh, and of course. They're probably not going to be able to figure out who did it. I, I just don't believe that they're going to come up with any answers at all. Uh, sounds like he got stabbed in the midst of um, you know, maybe a lunchroom or something like that. They know it was a fellow inmate, but let's be honest. It could have been a guard too. I mean all it would take would be a couple of people to just say, oh, I don't know. He was, he was wearing all white. Everybody's wearing white. Well, that's all I can tell you. I didn't see a thing. So – Chauvin sustained serious injuries after being stabbed at the prison he's living in in Tucson, Arizona. The uh, Federal Bureau of Prisons said that it took place around 12.30 p.m. Arizona time. I think that would either be 2 or 3 p.m., uh, 2.30 or 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I can't remember if they have daylight savings times or not. Um, but they were able to offer him life-saving measures and uh, they got him out of there. Uh, and uh, they said that the motive behind the attack remains unclear. Really? Are you sure about that? Hold on. You sure about that? You sure about that? You sure about that? Are you sure about that? Because I'm pretty certain I know exactly why somebody would stab Derek Chauvin. First of all, it's because of the lies of the Minneapolis Police Department and the AG of Minneapolis or, or of uh, Minnesota. The lies of the Biden regime, the lies of the mainstream media, the lies of the police chief. Do you remember during the trial? I can't believe that Derek Chauvin was convicted. I got to be honest with you. I thought for sure he was going to get off because as soon as they decided they were going to offer Derek Chauvin and those other officers up as a, as a sacrifice to wokeness uh, and they said that the behavior that they engaged in was not the type of behavior that these men were trained to engage in. That was BS. That was a lie. That move to kneel on someone as they were restraining them, that's something that they were all taught. Every single person who went to the police academy ended up in the police department there in Minneapolis. That was part of the deal. You were taught to do that. And he didn't kneel on his neck. He knelt on his back, on his shoulder, Okay, he kept him down. George Floyd was hopped up on all kinds of fancy Chinese designer drugs. He even ditched a bag of heroin on the ground while he was there because he didn't want to get caught with it. And he was saying he couldn't breathe before Derek Chauvin even showed up. The only reason he was on the ground is because he requested to be put on the ground because he couldn't breathe. Why couldn't he breathe? Again, it wasn't because Derek Chauvin was kneeling on his neck. It was because he was going into a drug overdose. 
They should have given him some Narcan or something, but they didn't. They wanted to, they wanted George Floyd to die. He was a useless eater. He was a, a feeder off of the system. He was a drug dealer and a drug addict, and it was no problem for them to sacrifice him up. They allowed these guys to destroy their careers, to destroy their lives, and Derek Chauvin is the one who took most of the blame for it. So he is alive. He is on the mend, and the only way that this could have happened is if the police – Excuse me, the Bureau of Prisons and the guards there allowed it to happen. So his mother said that uh, she had to find out about the stabbing because she saw it on the media. The prison officials never contacted her. Like, how garbage is that? I can't even think what to say. I haven't been to bed and made a path in my kitchen and living room by pacing. I'm worried and scared. How the hell do these news agencies know? And his own mother doesn't even know. And that prison has an emergency contact number for me. I have to stay strong for Derek as he does for me. There is no stronger love than a mother's love. I feel so bad for this woman. So bad. It's just totally unfair. <clears throat> he shouldn't be in there. This shouldn't be happening to him. And I think that the people who really are responsible for George Floyd's death, you know, they're the, the other people that are allowing the drugs to come into Minneapolis, which is probably people high up in government, high up in the police department. But the chief of police who abandoned his officers, who lied on the stand, who lied to the American people, lied to the people of Minneapolis and told them that, oh, nobody else does this. It's bullshit. It's garbage. You're a liar. All right. Yes, I, I'm aware, Serter. Derek Chauvin worked at the club where George Floyd was a bouncer. I think it's likely that they knew each other. I also think it's likely that George Floyd was engaged in a, a, a larger scale. Um, uh, uh, what, what do they call it? Um, uh, when you are printing fake money. I can't remember the name for it. Forgery, a large-scale money forgery and laundering operation. Uh, there were trains that came through there that had been found to be carrying big pallets of fake cash. Uh, George Floyd seemed to have uh, a, a couple of fake bills. And it's just a little bit odd that uh, he worked at the same club. That club was also connected to this forgery, the, the counterfeit money laundering that was going into uh, local society there. Uh, and of course, you know, they were connected to drugs and stuff as well. There's cartel involvement. A uh, long time ago, I did a, a big show on this. Uh, and um, I'm sorry, you guys. Hold on. I need to stand up. I'm, I'm getting way too hot here. Oh, God, that feels so much better. <laughs> okay. All right. So this was a story I wanted to cover yesterday. And, you know, my heart goes out to every single person who wears a uniform and who was forced to take one of these unnecessary clot shots, these mRNA genetic therapies that is that are not vaccines that were designed to do one thing and one thing only besides make money for the pharmaceutical companies that push them onto people. They were designed to kill. They were designed to incapacitate. They were designed to make people disabled. And they did a great job. A lot of people 
a lot of people are never going to recover from this. Those of you out there in the audience who took one of these and who have mild side effects or, you know, who haven't experienced side effects, praise Jesus. Thank you so much, God, for protecting these people. Keep them safe, okay? And you, as an individual who fell prey to this PSYOP, you need to make sure that your body is as healthy as it possibly can be because it you never know. You simply never know what's going to happen. Now, a U.S. Navy medical officer put this video out talking about the increase, the percentage increase in heart-related issues among pilots following their vaccinations. Uh, it is uh, pretty shocking, and uh, we're going to go ahead and watch the video. Uh, I think we all know that this is real. This has a lot to do with why our military is is not at a state of readiness. This has a lot to do why people decided to stop joining the military or decided to separate. But there were some people out there, many, many in the military who felt that it was just easier to capitulate and they're paying the price. Let's take a listen. Do you have kids? We all love President Trump, yes. So you may see my wife's recent post, and I want to elaborate on that. Let me make this a little bit louder. Okay, that should do it. I'll give you an example as to why reinstatement, back pay, and, and apologies isn't enough. So in July, uh, under Secretary Cisneros, acknowledge the DMET data, the database working properly, and also acknowledged things such as myocarditis rising 151%. So what I did, I went in today. Um, myocarditis rising 151%. That's just one of them. I'm doing the same thing, five-year average. However, I'm comparing it to 2022, and I only am using fixed-wing pilots and helicopter pilots, active duty. So we get hypertensive disease, 36%, ischemic heart disease, 69%, pulmonary heart disease, 62%, heart failure, 973%. Holy jeez. Other forms of heart disease, 63%. Cardiomyopathy, 152%. Those are staggering, staggering figures. Staggering figures, and it makes me so angry, so angry at the leaders of the military, at Joe Biden, at everybody who forced these people to get these unnecessary clot shots. It was a big experiment, a great big bunch of lab rats. They used the American people, they used the people of the world as an experimental subset, and they have – Consigned many, many people to death, almost a thousand percent increase in heart failure. Take a look. Here it is by the numbers. This is coming from the U.S. Army. All right. This is actually something that I want you guys to have, because if you have family members who are still locked in their their mirror world, not understanding what was done to us, what was done to them. This is the kind of thing that they need to know. You have an incredible, incredible increase in heart-related issues that were unnecessary, didn't need to happen.
All right. So (laughs) this is an interesting one right here. You know, we've been dealing with the censorship industrial complex for quite a few years now. You know, every time I talk about the rise of censorship, somebody's always like, hey, you know, we were never free. No, I, I know that. Okay, I'm I'm not naive enough to think that you know we've always had the ability to say whatever we wanted, um, but it, it was curtailed rather quickly, and the number of acceptable things that you could say uh, have slowly been whittled down uh, over the years, and largely that's due in part to this partnership between uh, the public sector and the private sector. And a new report has just been published uh, by one of the authors of the um, the Twitter files, Michael Schellenberger. It's as a result of a whistleblower coming forward. Uh, and this isn't just somebody with a story. This is a whistleblower who was involved in this, who is bringing documented evidence that reveals the true origins of this censorship industrial complex. And guess what? It all kicked off in earnest with the election of President Donald Trump and the passage of Brexit in the UK. What we're talking about is a collection of people from both the UK and the United States of America coming together to create a new company. And that company really created the framework that many of us still see today in action to suppress our voices and uh, to keep the narrative in the hands of the powers that be. So we're talking about the CTIL files. These are U.S. and U.K. military contractors who created a sweeping plan for global censorship in 2018. They came together uh, after the 2016 election and they put together this massive, massive plan. So the whistleblower brought forth a trove of documents. It's larger than the Twitter files. It's larger than the Facebook files, uh, not only in in physical scale, but also in terms of the importance uh, as it relates to the American people and the general public at large around the world. Essentially, the group became a uh, a sort of clearinghouse for anti-disinformation, and CTIL stands for Cyber Threat Intelligence League. They took everything they learned at the government and they brought it to the private sector, and then they held hands with the government. Oftentimes, actually, they were still working at the government while they were working at CTIL. And officially, they began as a volunteer project. They were data scientists and defense and intelligence veterans. But they used their tactics, their knowledge, their collective uh, brain trust over time. uh, And uh, they have officially been brought in on a number of official projects. And that includes ones taking place at the Department of Homeland Security. So – These documents provide a series of missing links to a number of questions that haven't been addressed when we take a look at the Twitter files and the Facebook files. It creates a much fuller picture. When you put it all together, it's a comprehensive look at the birth of this anti-disinformation sector, uh, also called the censorship industrial complex. So these documents describe uh, pretty much everything from the genesis of the modern digital censorship programs that are in play uh, at – 
variety of different social media companies, the way that the military intelligence uh, and military intelligence agencies come together, making partnerships with different groups in civil society and also in commercial media uh, and how they use sock puppet accounts online uh, and a number of other offensive techniques. It is really comprehensive and uh, we are at the end of the show here in just a few minutes. So I don't know that we're going to have the opportunity to go through every aspect of it, but let me just hit some key points. So uh, in these documents, it shows that uh, the activities were typically done overseas by the CIA and the NSA and the Department of Defense and that they were almost exclusively operating censorship regimes against Americans using our private partners because the government of the United States of America, the CIA operating here or the NSA operating here, doesn't have the legal authority to do so. So in the same way, they would give directives to Twitter to tell them who to censor and what kind of messages to push because they couldn't do it directly. They were also using this group called the CTIL to do the exact same thing. So the CTIL uh, is a former the I'm sorry, the whistleblower uh, alleges that the leader of the CTIL is a former British intelligence analyst who was actually in the room at the Obama White House in 2017 when she received instructions to create a counter disinformation project to stop a repeat of 2016. (laughs) So 2017, the first opening weeks of 2017, right before President Trump is sworn into office, probably right around the same time when they decided they were going to go after Michael Flynn, that they were going to continue to go after Donald Trump. They were going to ramp up all these efforts. They were essentially going to create the resistance. Think about how comprehensive this plan was. Working within the federal government itself to create uh, a, a, a collection of people working in the in the uh, in the public administrative sector of government, just not doing what President Trump ordered people to do, giving the same sort of directives to people within the military, people within the White House, people within the mainstream media. People within private social media companies. And in the last year, uh, we have seen uh, through a number of different uh, releases uh, related to censorship and the Twitter files and all of that. Also, investigations being done in Congress. Uh, And now, as a result of the the release on the CTIL, uh, a number of documents have come forward showing that we've got a network of over 100 government agencies and non-governmental organizations that work together hand in glove to censorship, to urge censorship by social media platforms, but also to spread pop propaganda about people that they don't like, also to destroy topics and narratives that people want to talk about that uh, they don't want us to talk about. Pizzagate anyone? There's a really easy one right there. They were not keen to have us looking into institutionalized child trafficking because obviously that's a big moneymaker for the intelligence community. But the Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Information Security Agency, you might know them as CISA, has been at the center of gravity for much of the censorship that took place 
during the Trump administration and now since. And along with the National Science Foundation, they've been financing the development of censorship and disinformation tools that other federal government agencies can use and play a supporting role in helping to get out there. We've got emails from CISA. Uh, and another NGO and social media partners that show that CISA created the Election Integrity Partnership back in 2020, along with the involvement of the Stanford Internet Observatory and a number of other U.S. government contractors. And the EIP and its successor, the Virality Project, have urged Twitter, Facebook, and other platforms to censor social media posts by ordinary citizens and elected officials alike. So I would urge you to go to Michael Schellenberger's Twitter to read through the rest of this release because it is uh, alarming. Uh, not so much to people who already know about it, um, but when you understand the scope of that censorship industrial complex that is weighing down on all of us, it's a miracle we're still here. I'll be real honest with it with you. It's a miracle you're listening to this program uh, because otherwise. Uh, they tried to kill us. They tried to shut us down. They tried to take away our ability to make a living. They tried to stop us at every single juncture at any cost to stop us from talking about the things that matter. But here we are. We're still around and there's nothing they can do about it. Also thought this was interesting, learned about a new office or a, a newly revealed office under the purview of the Central Intelligence Agency. It's called the Office of, of, of Global Access, and their sole mission is to collect these supposed downed UFOs that crash anywhere in the world, and uh, they go out and they retrieve the crashes, and then they take the technology and they end up uh, seeing how they can use it uh, within the United States government and how they can use it within the private sector. I'm going to be talking about this subject uh, in depth with John, hopefully next week on baseless conspiracies. But uh, I thought that this was really interesting. The Office of Global Access Technology. Targeting tradecraft. Perfect, perfect CIA cutout. They have played a central role in collecting all of this information since 2003. And it goes to show you that the official information that is now being released is really just another arm of the octopus's tentacles that are made up by the CIA. So although I love this subject, I love the idea of learning what else is possibly out there in the universe? It leads me to believe that we can't trust a damn thing that's coming out uh, in terms of any of this disclosure. The only reason that they have to release this information is because they think they can control us with it. They think that they're going to be able to use it to create that brave new world that they're hoping to spin up. But I'm hoping that they won't exist anymore in the very near future. All right. So <clears throat> take a look at this. Largely as a result of the lies that have been told to the American people, largely as a result of the propaganda that has been spread by the mainstream media, largely as a result of that public and private partnership that was designed to shut down voices like mine, voices like yours, largely because of their failure to do real journalism – People are not paying attention to the mainstream media. People are not giving their money to the mainstream media. Why? Because they're a bunch of liars. 
They're a bunch of fakers. They're a bunch of propagandists. And as a result, perhaps, of that, some of the top names in journalism and in journalism education are now suggesting that we, the people, take on the burden of funding reporters and these media outlets that are sure to be forced to close their doors in the very near future. I can't wait for the New York Times and the Washington Post and Media Matters and all of these garbage fake news outlets to go out of business because I think it's only a matter of time. There will no longer be Americans who are willing to stomach paying for fake news as they have for so many years. So the people behind the creation of these journalists are suggesting that we should carry the burden, that you should just make journalism part of the state, because let's be honest. I mean, they basically are already. How many CIA agents, Project Mockingbird, operate within the confines of the mainstream media? How many individuals are on the payroll of not only the New York Times or Media Matters or the Washington Post? And they're also on the payroll of the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, I would argue that it's probably quite a few. But the pickings are getting slim. Not only has Joe Biden screwed the pooch on the funding of so much of our government, uh, but the funding is simply not there in the private sector to keep these guys on the job. They're going to be on the dole before too long. That is unless they can get we the people to pay for it. I say absolutely not. Journalism should be a pursuit that you engage in because you care about the free flow of information. If you are a propagandist, then the burden to produce that journalism should be on you, just as the burden to produce my journalism is on me. I don't ask for funding from the government. I certainly don't ask for funding from the Central Intelligence Agency, and I don't ask for funding from the Medill School of Journalism or the Media Integrated Marketing Communications at Northwestern University. We support the things that we believe in. And we believe in freedom of speech. We believe in the free flow of information. We believe in honesty and integrity. And the mainstream media simply does not believe in those things and they don't possess them. So I'm sorry, my friends. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Kitsko says, I am helping. I took my stock option to DMAC uh, to buy out these sons of guns when they hit rock bottom. Uh, DMAC, do you mean DWAC? Are you talking about uh, like Rumble and Truth Social? But thank you very much, Kitsko. I appreciate you. Uh, we've also got a couple of donations over here on uh, Pilled.net as well. Thank you to Foxy Lady for dropping that cookie. Thank you to Porpoiseful for dropping a cookie. Thank you to Boise Blanc 89 for dropping a cookie and a can. And then Porpoiseful also dropped a can as well. Spike, yes, you're absolutely right. One doesn't have to be employed by an establishment media company to be a legitimate reporter or commentator. Zach, as an independent reporter and commentator, is proof of that. Thank you very much. Yeah, don't let, don't let the doors hit you in the ass on the way out, guys. All right, so before we leave today, we had an interesting development in the civil case against Donald Trump in New York uh, by activist 
a uh, uh, prosecutor, Letitia James, Letitia Peekaboo James. I need to get myself like a little gif of like her dancing. Like, wouldn't it be funny to put Letitia James's face on that uh, that <laughs> remember that black woman who like was way too big to be uh, dancing with her legs up in the air on the beach? Uh, I think it'd be funny if it was Letitia James doing that. Anyways, Deutsche Bank just destroyed the case against President Trump. So. Letitia James, of course, is seeking $250 million in damages. Damages to whom? Well, that's the question. There is no victim in this case. The only victim, honestly, in this case is Donald Trump because Letitia James and Arthur and Gorin and all of the radical Marxists in the state of New York that want to destroy Donald Trump, punish him, bankrupt him, stop him from running for president and get him the hell out of New York City. They are victimizing him. Nobody ever was victimized by doing business with Donald Trump, least of all Deutsche Bank. They just had an executive come in and testify that uh, he worked to approve at least one of President Trump's loans. And although he said it was atypical, it sure wasn't unusual to reduce a client's asset values and to still approve a loan. This is the way that lending works with high net worth individuals, high profile clients like Donald Trump. If you've ever worked at a bank, if you've ever actually taken out a loan yourself, you know that things can be incredibly arbitrary. If you've got a portfolio or if you've got high credit that you're paying off to somebody else, I mean, a lot of these things are going to be taken into account. The value of your real estate might be one thing one day and then something else entirely the next day. So a Deutsche Bank AG executive gave testimony that, in my opinion, bolsters President Trump's defense in his civil trial. David Williams, uh, who was the man that worked with Deutsche Bank and uh, was there in the years that President Trump was uh, taking loans from Deutsche Bank when he wasn't president, testified that it's atypical but not entirely unusual for the bank to cut a client's stated asset value by 50 percent and still approve a loan. Anyways, they did this. With Donald Trump, he testified that President Trump's stated assets are merely an opinion and a difference of opinion in asset value does not disqualify the potential borrower from taking a loan. So it's just a difference of opinion. Deutsche Bank said, you know what, we're going to say that your total assets are worth this, even though you think they're worth this. But we're still going to give you the loan. Why? Because we know doing business with you is a good deal. We know that you're going to pay back this loan. We know that you're going to take this money and you're going to use it in the course of business to support the New York economy. Doing business with Donald Trump is a safe bet, or at least it used to be. I hope Donald Trump doesn't do any business in New York after all is said and done. So last month was when Arthur and Gorin blasted President Trump and his lawyers uh, by claiming that illegal profits – would result in President Trump paying off financial fees in the state of New York because, of course, there is zero victims, there's zero fraud, and Arthur and Gorin is not a real estate agent. He's not a broker. He doesn't know what Mar-a-Lago is worth. He doesn't know uh, he, he doesn't know a, a, a cow patty from a cherry pie. I, I would be surprised if uh, he could identify pretty much anything. Arthur and Gorin, again, as I famously said, looks like he smells like an ashtray. <laughs> Oh, he's a sad sack and Letitia James is uh, is a sad hack. 
All right. So that is it. We're at the end of the show. We're going to go ahead and call it quits. I need to say thank you very much, uh, everybody out there, for hanging out with us. <laughs> Surter says, Letitia James has serious daddy issues. Have you noticed that? I got to be honest. I, I don't listen to Letitia James talk, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. All right. Let me just make sure I'm not missing anything over here on my phone. Okay. Nope. Nothing. Uh, in that case, let me say I hope you can join me later tonight on Altered State with myself and Brad Getz. And if I don't see you there, then hopefully you'll be back here tomorrow at 5 p.m. for another episode of Red Pill News. I'll also be on Badlands Media at 4 p.m. with 412 and uh, and quite frankly for taking it back. Gum Gum says, Zach, you're worthy of more, but I might have to sell my pot to be in. I don't want anybody to do that. Uh, I definitely want to make sure that every single person here is taking care of yourself and your family and uh, whatever support you can offer the show. I just want you to know how much I appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who donates on the website because I don't get instant notifications for that. Oftentimes, I'll get a report at the end of the week and it'll say that you know this number of people donated, but even then, I, I only have an email address and uh, for me to go find out who you are, it, I, you know, I, I'm assuming that you're donating through the website for a reason. So I, I'm, I, I just don't have the ability to go through and to thank everybody personally. But I want you to know that you are directly supporting the show. Without you guys, without the sponsors of the programs, I wouldn't be able to do this. Uh, and uh, I, I just hope that you guys understand how much you mean to me and how much your trust in me means to me. Uh, I was saying to Patty yesterday, the only thing I have to stand on is my honor and my integrity. Uh, who I am as a person is the thing that's important to me. And so there are people out there who are only looking to get as much money as possible. They're only looking to grift the most number of people as possible. The only thing I want is to deliver the truth. I want to deliver information I want to deliver commentary that you're not able to get other places, and and I hope that you appreciate my unique perspective on all of these things. Before we go, guys, let me just say that I need to give a final shout-out to the final sponsors of today's show, and of course, the screen doesn't work, but we're going to go ahead and fix that right here. That would be my friends at onenessdrops.com. OnenessDrops.com, these are chlorine dioxide water purification kits. You can get your chlorine dioxide water purification kits in a number of formulations, but no matter what the original ingredients are, as a result of the miracle of chemistry, when you put them together, parts A and B, you will be making a substance known as chlorine dioxide that is not similar to bleach and just because it has the word chlorine in it. It is a very different substance. It's often used in municipal water purification systems, and you can use it to give yourself pure, clean water either at your home, at the campsite. Uh, if you're traveling across the country and you don't have access to running water, maybe you're sleeping out in a national forest or something like that. Something that I think every single person should have on hand. I also urge you to check out the interview that I did with the creator of the documentary called The Universal Antidote, which is about 
chlorine dioxide and the incredible healing powers that it can that it can give. Uh, not medical advice, uh, but this is something I think everybody needs to check out. And uh, I think that if you don't have chlorine dioxide on hand, then you are doing yourself a disservice. I uh, also want to say thank you to Mike Lindell and the good people at My Pillow. Make sure that when you go to both MyPillow and OneNessDrops.com, you use code RP78. You will save 15% off at onenessdrops.com and at mypillow.com. You can save up to 80% off. I don't think that they still have the Black or the Cyber Mondays sales going on, but of course, we know that Mike has uh, incredible deals on so many of his amazing products, whether it's the Giza Dream Sheets or the mattress toppers or the slippers or the bathrobes and the towels, you know, all of them. They're incredible. Lisa, every night, she's like, I love these sheets. Why did we ever think? Think that we could sleep on something different. And she's 100% right. We got rid of everything that wasn't from my pillow. So thank you to Mike Lindell for continuing to support the show. Thank you to you for supporting Mike Lindell and in turn supporting me here on Red Pill 78. And uh, finally, uh, our friends over there at My Patriot Supply, prepare with redpill78.com. Uh, they are back to the super good deals that they generally have. $200 off a three month supply of emergency food. Uh, these are meals that have over 2,000 calories per day per servings for per person, up to 21 different varieties of food, 25 year shelf life. It's incredible stuff. Lisa and I have a couple of years of emergency emergency food on hand because you never know what's going to happen and uh, you never know when you might need it because I got to be honest, between now and 2024, anything can happen. I'm not trying to scare anybody, uh, but I am just always recommending that people be ready for anything that could possibly go on. Don't allow yourself to get caught unawares. Um, And um, in the meantime, also, thank you once again to the sponsor of the mid-portion of the program, c60evo.com forward slash redpill78. Incredible deals. You can stack with my code, redpill78. You get an additional 10% off of all of their sales. One final thank you to Napkinator79, who says, thank you, Zach. And if you do decide to color your beard, nobody would dare say a word. Oh, well, I appreciate it. But I think uh, I think I'm going to I'm going to stay au natural and um uh, thank you for the vote of confidence, though. All right, you guys. Uh, I appreciate you. Love you. Thanks for being here. Good luck. God bless. Hope to see you tonight, 9 p.m., Altered State on Badlands Media. Peace. you, Warrior Mima. I just saw that come through over on the foxhole. Thank you so much.
Before you go, hit the like button. Hit the like button before you go. Hit the like button or the red pill, whichever one you got. Please, please, please. I really, really.